have um, a special day today. Normally I'm on that side of the church, obviously. Uh, but Garner Brooks is our intern for the summer. And Garner is going to be preaching today as part of his uh, every, seeing every single phase of the life of the church. You would think that preaching in the traditional service at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary in front of everyone would be intimidating. But last week he taught the threes and the fours in Sunday school. <laughs> He's fine. A couple of announcements. Um, we believe in radical hospitality. We try to live it out as best as possible. We hope you were greeted on your way in today. If this, was your, if this is your first day, we hope you feel welcome. Everything you need is in one bulletin, no matter what service you come to. We have uh, new newsletters out today. They come out on the first Sunday of every month. If you like one in your hands, we have them. You can get them in the back. And also our bulletin boards on either side, outside the sanctuary, uh, have notes about the week and have extra newsletters on them. You can grab one and take it with you. These also go out in the um, email newsletter, and you can also find out uh, find this newsletter on the website. Um, intentional faith development is one of our um, main priorities, and in so doing, I'm going to reach out to a couple of your Sunday school class leaders. We're updating a map of our entire campus that goes into our visitor uh, worksheet, and I'm going to just double check with you about the demographics and description of your class to make sure we have that exactly right uh, so that guests can visit you if they like. We believe in risk-taking mission and service, and we had a great week for that. Uh, we hosted uh, folks from Sauca one Sauquehatchee camp. Sauquehatchee is a United Methodist entity all over South Carolina where people go throughout the state and fix people's homes who cannot afford to do so. We hosted a group here and fed them lunch every day, and we also sent a group uh, from our church to the Piedmont area, and so we had a great week uh, with Sauquehatchee. We believe in extravagant generosity, and you can find that section in your bulletin. You can find every one of these sections in your bulletin, um, but you can see the um, report for the week, and also an invitation to get emailed quarterly statements. This is by no means a requirement. It's if you like email and like things to be digital, you like to get it on your phone or on your computer, I encourage you to write Jimmy and uh, request that. And the more people we get to do that that are fine with it, the faster we can get out the paper versions to people that would like paper versions because it, um, we can divide up that work. Uh, so if you look at uh, court, uh, Jimmy's email on the front of your bulletin, you can receive that. Um, the office will be closed this week for the holiday, and I will be gone as of tomorrow through Saturday. If you look in your bulletin for the um, pastoral care uh, emergency phone, if you have any kind of pastoral care emergency, regardless of whether I'm here or not, I would prefer you call that number. We immediately get a notice uh, that you called, and when I'm here, I can pass, I can see it. When I'm not here, I can pass it on to someone uh, who will see it. Uh, so I encourage you to use that. It's on the front of your bulletin as well. I believe that's all of the announcements for the week. So if you'll stand as you're able uh, for our first hymn, number 698.
us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffering under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and dead in the The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the Be seated. Our first scripture lesson is Psalm 13. It's on pages, um, actually, it's on page 852 of your Pew Bible. Psalm 13, for the director of music, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. This word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, throughout this week, we're a little bit torn between a nation that we know and love and cherish with all that we have and your call to be above nations, to be Christian. Remind us, Lord, as the verse we just sang said, that we may still be refined, we may still be changed. Remind us, Lord, that we're malleable. That as individuals, as this church, as this community, as this nation, we're still able to be changed by you. Thank you, Lord, for your relentless mercy and grace in reaching out to us. Thank you for this place in which we may gather. Thank you for the passion in Garner's heart to serve here as an intern. Help him, Lord, trust in his words that he's prepared throughout the week. Help us as we leave this place, Lord, and host others or travel to be with one another. On some of the craziest roads we will see this year. Give us your grace. Give us your patience. Give us your desire for safety and love for one another. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we hear your word for us this day. And lead us in the prayer your son taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And you can see in the extravagant generosity section, if you would like to give online, you can see how to do that. And you may also give in the plate uh, as we've always done.
morning as you have good morning as you <laughs> as you have figured out by now I'm not Joe Kate I know I've been introduced a hundred times in both services already and you've heard these things several times but you know what's what's one more time so for those of you who still don't know me my name is Garner Brooks I've been a member here at Memorial for several years. I come here with my family. We always sit like three rows from the back. They're back there right now. Um, and this summer, I'm serving here as the intern. And it's been a great experience for me to learn from Pastor Joe and from our great staff here about the ins and outs of running a church and what it takes to put these services together and about what it takes to run a church and keep it going through the week because this fall I'm going to be a senior Christian studies major at North Greenville University. And typically this leads us Christian studies majors. We go into ministry and missions and theology. And so this has been a great experience for me to learn about what my future could look like in ministry. And so that is me and let's turn to the text. It's today it's Matthew chapter 10 verses 40 through 42. It's on page 1512 in your pew Bible. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. So as a Christian studies major, I have certain classes that I'm required to take for my major. They tell us we have to take them. Everything from apologetics to systematic theology to the book of Ecclesiastes and every other book. But I took one class this past spring semester called Principles of Church Planning and Revitalization. And a big part of this class was we had to plant a mock church. We, had, we were assigned roles, and each week we had to get together and have meetings. We had to pick a place to have a worship service. We had to go out to that location, find a place to have it. We had to have worship music. We had to have someone give a sermon. We had to provide our for our refresh, refreshments, words, and we had to do some kind of outreach. And that outreach was by far the hardest thing that we had to do because we had to go somewhere that we'd never been before. None of us had ever been to Rockvale before. Does anyone even know where it is? I didn't either, but it's near easily. And we had to do door canvassing in random neighborhoods and talk to strangers. We had no idea whether anyone would be receptive to us or would want to become a part of a church or even just come for an hour or so to our church plant. We didn't have much in the way of resources. We mostly just had a little bit of money our professor gave us. And we had these little note cards that we had that we would give people with information about our worship service. All we really had was a task, a message, and a place and people to take it to. Which brings us back to the text. Because this is when Jesus is commissioning his disciples and he's sending them out to the different towns and villages in Israel. And he's sending them out with a message to places that, you know, some they may have been to, they're from the area, but a lot of places they haven't been to, to talk to maybe a few people they do know, but mostly people that they don't. 
and they're not just going to sell a product, they're not going to shake hands or anything. They're going to spread the message, the message being that the kingdom of God is near, a message that's going to change the world. And Jesus promised them that they were going to face a lot of opposition and a lot of loss in spreading this message. In fact, the first thing that Jesus told them was, don't take any possessions with you. That was the first thing that they had to lose, and they had to freely give it up, was their possessions. Because they, Jesus told them that none of that was going to help them. It wasn't going to help them spread the message and just to go ahead and give it up now. Because, and by the late first century, there were some prophets, quote-unquote, and they would go around and they would preach the message, but they would do it for money or for some kind of payment, and they want to get something out of it. And if we're being honest with ourselves, how often do we do something, even something that's right, because we want to get something out of it? I mean, we work for money. Even doctors and surgeons, people that are supposed to do life-changing operations and that look, seem like just miracles that they do, they do it for money. They don't do it for free. And we always think in terms of, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You do some, I do something for you, you do something for me. And Jesus said that that's not the way it's going to be with spreading this message. Because that's not what this message was about. Because it's not like you're... Jesus did promise a reward, but it's not like we go out there and we do his work and then he's obligated to pay us. And that's because the message, the kingdom of God, healing the sick and raising the dead and chasing out demons, that's what he told his disciples to do. None of the authority to do that came from any rewards, and it was to be received as a gift. And he gave the authority to preach freely, and people could receive it without cost. But we do get a reward. It says, if you receive a prophet as a prophet, then you receive a prophet's reward. And a prophet is someone who comes with the authority of the one who sent them to preach the message. In this case, Jesus gave his disciples the authority to drive out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. And that was all about restoration. Restoration was a central part of the message that they were preaching. And in telling the disciples to leave behind their possessions, this is establishing that this power does not come from any possessions, and Jesus is eliminating financial barriers to preaching and receiving the gospel. If you have many possessions or few possessions, if you're rich or if you're poor, it doesn't matter anymore because the message and the authority and the reward that come with it, none of that comes from any possessions and the gospel transcends that barrier. One of the most common ways that people have always used to try to divide themselves into classes, that's set aside. Anyone can preach it and anyone can receive it. What else could we lose? We've already lost our possessions, what else? We could lose our freedom. We could lose our individual liberty from persecution from local government. And that's not a huge problem for us. You know, Jesus said that would happen, but you know, today we probably won't get thrown in prison for preaching down the streets of Greer. But government's not the only outside force that could stop us from preaching the message. Jesus said that our own friends and family could become a hindrance to us spreading the gospel. In chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus said, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. 
your own parents who raised you, your own siblings that you grew up with, your own flesh and blood children who you raised, these bonds, they could turn against you. And Jesus said also in verses 37 through 39 of the same chapter, he said that you have to love him more than your father or your mother or your children. The family unit, which starts as the most central building block of society, that those bonds, the strongest that we're supposed to form as human beings, they could turn against us and they could actually hinder and hurt us. And Jesus himself said that he was a prophet without honor. He said that in chapter 13, verse 57. And in context, he's talking about his hometown. He'd just gone to his hometown with the same message, and he was preaching. And the people who were supposed to have known him the longest and known him the best, they rejected him completely and his message. What was supposed to be one of the most defining factors about who someone is it just created another division. But the authority to restore, the message itself, does not come from biological family. The family connection's a big deal for them and for us today. You know, how often do people here in the South, do they make assumptions about you based on who you're related to? Or how often does name recognition come into play? This past election season, we had several candidates that had fantastic name recognition. Everybody already knew who they were and who their family were, and they made judgments about them before they'd ever heard any of their ideas. What was supposed to help people identify these candidates ended up becoming a liability. But the authority and the message and the reward, none of that comes from who you know or who you're related to. And a big part of what the Israelites thought that it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God was to be descended from Abraham. They thought that their bloodline, being an Israelite, being from Judah, being a Pharisee, following the law to the T, they thought that automatically made them a part of God's family. And Jesus did tell his disciples to start in Israel, but he told them it wasn't going to stop there. And this family tie is just another thing that people have always used to divide and separate themselves. Another thing that they put pride in. But the gospel transcends this barrier. And people have always tried to create an us versus them kind of mentality, especially when they're trying to inspire other people to take action. This July 4th, July 4th is this Tuesday, and we're gonna celebrate the founding of America, and we'll do that as a pretty divided country. On one side, you have some people saying, this is the right thing that we're supposed to do. This is what's going to be best for us and best for the country. Here's what we should do. And on the other side, you have people saying, no, I don't think so. I think this is what we should really be doing. I think this is what's right. I think this is what's best and what's going to be best for the country. And then at the helm of it all, you have some people saying, no, you know what the real problem is? It's not this issue or that issue. It's those people over there. If we could just stop those people from doing whatever they're doing, they're the real enemy, so we just need to stop them. And that's because and they're the enemy. And whatever we place pride in, if we place it in ourselves or our own ideas of what we think is best and our own creations, then we're just going to create another barrier that's going to divide us. But if we look to the gospel message, if we look to it, if we receive it, if that becomes the primary focus of our lives, then all these other barriers, the possessions, 
family heritage, our nationality, all of those other barriers disappear and you're no longer defined by any of them. Now you're a disciple, you're a prophet, you're a righteous person. You have the authority of the messenger and the character of the messenger, and you're a follower of the messenger. You're part of a new family with a new father and a part of a new kingdom with a new king. And if you become a part of this new kingdom, then whatever you lose, or if government or your own family persecute you, Jesus says, don't be afraid of those things. Don't be afraid to lose them, and don't be afraid of the people who try to take them away. Because Jesus said in this same chapter that they're not the ones that can, take, that can kill both body and soul. And if you lose these things, you will receive a reward. And that reward is eternal life with a new father who knows you perfectly and loves you unconditionally. So having said that, what other barriers could there be? Not money, not government or family or nationality. There's no barriers that can stop us from preaching the gospel. But what other things could there be? Fear. Fear of what? You know, has anyone ever done door canvassing or made cold calls at work or worked a phone bank or called customer service and actually gotten a person on the other, other end of the line? And you remember when they picked up and then you're just sitting there and suddenly all words just completely leave you and you have no idea why you're called or what you're doing? And when Jesus was talking about going before councils and rulers, what did he say? He said, don't worry about the words to say. Don't worry about thinking that you're going to lose the words to say or you're not going to stand up because he says the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when that time comes. You think, yeah, I get that, but I could mess it up. I could still say the wrong thing. That was the same argument that Moses tried to use to tell God that he can't go to talk to Pharaoh or be his instrument for freeing the Israelites. But that didn't stop God. And that's because a prophet doesn't come with their own message or their own words. They come with a message that they have already received and are now telling people. And a righteous person comes as a doer of the message. And if you've received the message, you are righteous. You can no longer say, you know, well, I see there are people over there and they're doing something wrong. But, you know, I can't call them out on it because I'm just going to look like a hypocrite because I know that I've done the exact same thing. Jesus says that that's not how it works anymore because you have the character and the authority of the one who sent you, of God himself. No past action, no thing that you regret, none of that can stop you from preaching the gospel because it doesn't define you anymore. You think, well, okay, you know, I understand all that, I get all that, but what if people, I go out and do all that and people just reject it? What if they say, no, I'm not interested in any of that? You know, when we were doing that mock church plant, we had to go and do outreach, probably knocked on about 100 doors, maybe about 60 answered, and about 40 or so said that they might want to come to the church plant. And you know how many people showed up? You know, you think maybe at least 10 or 20, right? Not one person showed up. And that was disappointing, but does that mean that it was all for nothing? Of course not. Because regardless of how many people showed up, we still had a service, we still performed worship music, we still preached a sermon, provided refreshments, and received an A for our grade. And so there was still a reward for us doing that regardless of the results. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, that was when God called Ezekiel to be a watchman to the Israelites. 
God told them, he said, he told Ezekiel, if you see them, and they, if you see the Israelites caught in sin, if, and you see some consequences of that that are going to happen, if you see judgment coming, and you warn them, then whatever happens, it's on them. You don't share in any of their blame. But if you don't warn them, if you don't tell them about their sins and you don't warn them to stop it, then whatever happens as a result, that's on you. And that's a big responsibility. But regardless of whether anyone listened, Ezekiel still had a job to tell people. It's the same thing that he did and the same thing that we did then, and that's what we're still called to do. A prophet is still a prophet if no one listens. A righteous person is still righteous if no one joins them in obeying the word. A disciple of Jesus is still a disciple if no one listens to the gospel. But before any of that can happen or could happen, we had to receive the message ourselves. And the text says that anyone who offers a cup of cold water to these little ones would receive a reward. And back then, this was the smallest level of hospitality that anyone could give. If you had nothing else, you at least offered a cup of cold water. And if you were hosting someone that was really important, a military leader, a king, a lord, then you definitely had to offer more than just a cup of cold water. But Jesus says that if that's all you have, if you don't have anything else, and that's the smallest thing that you can do to show that you have received the message, then for him, that was enough. Because you don't need to have much to receive the gospel. And we are those who have received it. So we've received Jesus and the one who sent him. So how do we show that we've received it? We have to follow it by action. And this leads us to radical hospitality. We have a lot more than cold water. We each have more finances. We have a higher standard of living. We have more stuff. But we have just as many opportunities. If we receive a message that calls us to give that says, no matter what you have or don't have, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are or where you're from, follow Jesus, do what he says, and go and tell the same message, then there's nothing that we cannot give up. There's not anything he cannot tell us to be willing to leave behind. There's no one he can't tell us to go and preach to. There's nowhere that we can't go. And this leads us to risk-taking mission and service. We live in an area with people who still need to hear the gospel message. We live in an area with people who feel trapped by their circumstances. They don't have much. They don't, they've put up barriers between themselves and their family or their friends, or they've put, their fr family and friends have put barriers around them, and they feel trapped, and they don't feel like they have anyone to turn to. And that leads us back to the service. What can you give? Jesus says that you don't need anything, so that means you can give anything for the message. And what can you do? You can be a prophet, one who preaches the message, or a righteous person, one who's a doer of the message. And we have so many opportunities here. We can give to Greer Relief Ministries. We can serve on our Salkahatchee mission trips. We can, um, we're starting a new chapter of the Honey Dudes. We can serve that way. And in all of these things, there is a reward for those who trust in this message that overcomes all obstacles and follow it with action. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 437.
We're so grateful to each of you that helped make this service happen for this music, beautiful music that we had today in every realm. Thank you. Garner, for your passion and interest in this job and for your bringing the word today. Thank you. Um, if you are a visitor today, you're certainly not required, but I encourage you to hang behind uh, so I can tell you a little bit about our church and show you around. Make sure you feel welcome, and I'll have time to do that because everybody will be shaking Garner's hand. Okay. <laughs> Please be safe uh, throughout this week. Be friendly to your family. Be friendly on the roads. In the name of Jesus Christ, be peaceful on the roads. Amen. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.